What is going on, you all? My name is Mitchell. I am so excited to be back with you, giving you another sermon. And we are actually here opening up the book of John. That is right. We are starting a new series here in ASM right after Love Month. Uh, It's actually been a while since we've done a series on one of the Gospels, so we are all very excited as an ASM staff to uh, go through this book with you. But before we get started, I'm going to pray real quick, and then I'm going to ask you to take a moment and pray for me as I am about to give this message. So, dear God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you so much for the opportunity that we have to study this passage together. Lord, I pray that you will speak through me And I pray that you will uh, just give me the wisdom to speak and you will give us all uh, ears to hear the message that you have for us. In your name we pray, amen. And if you'll take a moment to just pray for me as I am speaking here. All right. So... We are here in the Gospel of John. And before we get into our passage today, I'm going to take a bit of time to explain what this book is about. Well, if we look at the New Testament, the first four books are called the Gospels. They're Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Uh, Each of the books are explaining Jesus' life and ministry here on earth. If you're following along with our main service, you know that the word gospel means good news. Uh, But they were each written by a different author, and they each served a different purpose. Uh, But they each call out specific aspects of Jesus' life and ministry on earth. And the Gospel of John is written by, you guessed it, John, the Apostle. Uh, But what is super cool is that John, the Apostle, the author of this book, tells us why he wrote this book. Uh, If we fast forward all the way to chapter 20, verse 31, John says, But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. And there is the name of our series, So That You May Believe, So That We May Believe in Jesus. This was actually the last written gospel, uh, and it was written for the early Christians so that they could have a full account of Jesus's life. And the purpose and the guidelines shaping this book are to uh, show the reader who Jesus is, to urge the reader to respond to him, and to give us a a description of the benefits for belonging to him. And what is cool is that John actually outlines this in the preface of his book, which is what our passage is today. I know a lot of the times we like to skip prefaces of books. I was actually reading a book the other day that uh, in the preface it said, if you've gotten this far, keep reading the preface. And then I skipped the preface because I'm not going to allow somebody to tell me what to do like that. But we are reading the preface today and we're going to work through this passage bit by bit so we can get a good idea of what this series is going to look like. Uh, But first, I want you to pause the video and read John 1, verse 1 through 18, so that you can have a full understanding of what we're going to be looking at today. Um, A lot of the times through this series, we're not going to read the entire passage that we have assigned, so it's going to be a really good habit to take a moment and read the whole passage before you listen to the sermon. But John 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Pause. This is a really cryptic sounding passage. It might be kind of confusing. Uh, People debate this passage. They debate the translation of it. They spend hours and hours talking about what it means. And because there is just so much symbolism here. 
but I'm gonna try my best to summarize it for you. John uses the word word here in reference to the Old Testament. We see throughout the Old Testament that God rules by his word. He reveals himself by his word and delivers by his word. God's word is his self-expression. It is his power. It is his truth. It is his majesty. So when John uses the word word, he is describing something or someone that uh, contains all of the attributes of God. And that's Jesus. But right out the gate, right there, John is telling us how powerful this person is. He is saying that in the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was, and still is, God. To any other religion, that is a pretty crazy verse. You hear a lot of people say that Jesus was just a prophet, or Jesus was just a great teacher, or he was just a wise person. But this verse says no to all of that. He's saying he is so much more. John is saying that this person who came to earth, who lived among us, is God. We're going to talk about that in a bit because John understands how provocative of a sentence that is. But if we skip a couple verses, we look at verse 4. It says, In him, talking about Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. This verse is filled with a ton of imagery. If you were to ask Curtis, he would say it paints a word picture. Uh, But we're going to take a look at this real quick. In Jesus was life. This is another response to the Old Testament. John is getting pretty good at that, we're finding. Uh, But people throughout the entire Old Testament were searching for life. The reason for life, the purpose of it, etc. Israel was even told that they had to live a certain way. They had to align with certain rules, and if they messed up in any way, they had to sacrifice a perfect, unblemished lamb to God to forgive them. But as we see in the entire book of Judges, and really the entire Old Testament, is that they are really bad at that. They go through what we we call a sin cycle, where they'll get instruction, they'll do pretty well about the instruction, and then they'll get lazy and start sinning. They'll get called out for their sin, repent, and do the whole thing over and over again. Sometimes they have really good periods, and sometimes they have really low and bad and dark periods. Uh, But every time Israel was really deep in sin, God would send a prophet, and uh, that prophet would try and encourage them to get back on track. Sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. But either way, eventually they would go back to sinning. Sounds a lot like how we might live sometimes. But they didn't know about life. They were struggling with this because they didn't know about life life. So John says, in Jesus is that life you are searching for. In Jesus is the answer to one of the biggest worries of your lifetime. In Jesus is the answer to what you've all been debating. Jesus cuts through the darkness and is a light and will not be overcome by darkness. There's just something so beautiful about this. John just comes out so confident that Jesus has all this power and he is the one that we can put our faith in. That type of confidence is honestly just really encouraging to hear. But let's go back to our passage. We're going to look at verse 6. We are introduced to someone else. Verse 6 says, There was a man sent from God whose name was John. Hang on. We're reading a book called John. Is John talking about himself in the third person? But... John is talking about another John here. 
And we have to be careful because when John says John, he's not always talking about one specific John. You get it, right? Don't worry, we're gonna help you out as we go throughout this book, throughout this series. But I will give $5 to the first person who can tell me how many times I say John in this video. But there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Here, the author, John, is talking about a different person, John the Baptist. Uh, he is gonna be referred to as John for the, a lot of this book, especially in the beginning. Uh, and John the Apostle does not talk about himself in the third person. But we go on and see that this John the Baptist person came as a witness to testify concerning that light, concerning testifying about Jesus, so that through John the Baptist, all might believe. He himself was not the light. He was not Jesus. He came only as a witness to Jesus, to the light. When Jesus was performing his ministry, there was a lot of confusion about who he was. Uh, some people even thought he was John the Baptist. We see Jesus ask his disciples one time when, uh, or he asked them what people were calling them. And they respond by saying, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others that one of the prophets of long ago has come back to life. But it makes sense that John would want to clear that up. Jesus is not John the Baptist, he's not Elijah, he's not any other prophet. And he uses this as an opportunity to say that John the Baptist was sent by God. Because if you know anything about John the Baptist, he was a pretty weird guy. And he had a controversial message, and it was likely that a lot of people didn't believe what he said because of who he was. And so John uh, puts some authority behind John the Baptist's name. But if we move on to our passage, we know who John the Baptist is, we get a beautiful description of who Jesus is. In verse 14 through 18, it says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. John testified concerning him, John the Baptist, saying, this is the one I spoke about when I said, he who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. Out of his fullness, we have all received grace in place of grace already given. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father, has made him known. Oh my goodness. This, this passage is absolutely insane. It is so provocative. It is, it is crazy. Jesus, or, uh, John makes so many absolute statements here. But this is who Jesus is. Let's take a moment to pause. I understand that for some of us, it's easy for us to hear the message of the gospel, to hear who Jesus is and tone it out because we've heard it 101 times before. But I'm gonna rephrase some of this and say it again, so please listen. Jesus gives light to everyone who is in the world. He even was in the world. Lots of people, including his own family, and including the people around him, rejected him, but 
Those who believe in his name, he gives the right to become the children of God. If we look back at how we discussed the Old Testament earlier, we remember that nothing was working. People couldn't live perfect lives. So over and over again, they had to sacrifice a perfect lamb to be forgiven of their sins. Prophets came, no one listened. You guys, when Moses went on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments, people were so bored and they just had such a lack of trust that they made idols as Moses was busy talking to God. We are broken. And so Jesus came to save us. Before Jesus came, God's chosen people were the Jews. Uh, Most of the time, you couldn't just one day decide to be a Jew. You had to be born into it. And, And John just breaks apart that in this verse because that's what Jesus' message was. He says that this right, this opportunity, this chance to receive the grace of God is not something that you can be born into. It can't be chosen for you. It's not genetics. It doesn't happen by any actions you take. Maybe your parents are Christian and that's the reason you're listening to this. But I can tell you that their being Christian is not what makes you Christian. Maybe you've just always gone to church. Church attendance does not mean that you are a Christian. It might just mean you kill an hour on Sundays. I can tell you in my life, I lived for years attending church because it's what I thought was the right thing to do. But not once did I take anything away from what I heard. I was going to church to check off a to-do list because it was what a good Christian boy does. I didn't dislike it. I actually had fun hanging out with friends, but I never cared about the message that was shared, the message about Jesus saving us. And what's beautiful about this passage is that it leaves no room for any other person to claim to be God. It, it's, it's, it, it, it's the only religious text that even says humans have seen God. Muhammad claimed to be a prophet. Buddha claimed to be a teacher. Joseph Smith claimed to see an angel. But we can say that Christians have seen God and that Jesus claimed to be God. And not only do we have a God that showed himself to us, but we have a God that understands us. He knows that we are sinful and he sent his son to die for us. He sent his son as that perfect, unblemished lamb that we would have had to sacrifice over and over again. I want you to also understand that, Jesus, or that God did not need to do this. He's the creator of the universe. And I'm comfortable enough saying that he can do what he wants. But because we have a God who loves us, likes us, and wants us, even when he doesn't need us, he chose to give us a chance to be saved. And as I said earlier, I know that some of you might have heard this message before. More than you can count, even. But I just want you to ask yourself if you've shared it with others. Because uh, as, as Americans, as especially young people, we love to be really comfortable. And we weasel around our way or, uh, to not have conversations with people about who Jesus is, about the gospel. And I'm not accusing you of anything I have not done myself I may, be the, I may be worse than some of you at sharing the gospel. It's difficult. I get it. But I'm a firm believer in the fact that the most unloving thing you can do for somebody is not share the good news of Jesus with them. 
So I beg you, if you are hearing this message, and if you, if you think you've heard it all, heard everything about Jesus, then prove it. Share the gospel with someone else. We even might assume that everybody else has heard the gospel, and so we wouldn't be sharing them uh, anything they haven't heard. But I can tell you from my own experience that people have some misconceived ideas about Jesus and the church. So prove that wrong. It is our job as followers of Jesus to share and act like Jesus. Uh, The Jesus that we read about in these first 18 verses and that we are about to read for the next few months. So I'm going to challenge you to answer these questions today so that you can be better equipped to have conversations with people about the gospel and maybe even challenge yourself if this is something that you believe. Maybe you're still wondering. But the couple questions that I have for us today are, what are the attributes of Jesus? Using this passage to describe it and using others as well. And then simply explain the good news of the gospel. Explain the gospel. See if you can do it. We have a challenge for for some of our uh, students where we ask them to share the gospel in about 30 seconds, and it proves to be so much more difficult than it might seem. So try that for yourself. Let's pray. Dear God, I thank you so much for this time. I thank you that uh, you are present with us. God, I thank you uh, for the Holy Spirit who has spoken through me. Lord, and I thank you for for this gospel, for all of the gospels, that we can have a full account of Jesus' life. I pray that we can take this to heart and through this series that that we we can hear what Jesus did and be changed by it. God, change us and let us listen to your word. In your name we pray, amen. All right, thank you so much for joining us this week. I can't wait to see you again next week. See you guys.